The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. American International Group is no longer too big to fail. That's according to the Financial Stability Oversight Council. The official ruling from the council is that AIG is no longer a systemically important financial institution, or CIFI. The label was pinned on it in 2013 in a step by regulators to protect the financial system from companies seen as posing a potential risk. AIG's collapse in 2008 was at the center of the financial crisis. With that CIFI label came stricter government oversight oversight and tighter capital rules. The Risk Council voted 6-3 to three to make the change, with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen supporting it, along with several of the newer regulators appointed by President Trump. Joining us is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell University Law School. Bob, the decision was opposed by the director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the chairman of the FDIC, and the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, all Obama appointees. Was it the right decision? Well, it, it, uh, I'll say this much, June, uh, and, and again, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's not clearly the wrong decision, even though it might be the wrong decision. Uh, and here's why. There have been substantial changes at AIG, at least along one dimension that's actually relevant for these purposes. And that has to do essentially with the short-term character of its liabilities. The problem with AIG in 2008 was that it was much like a bank in the sense that its derivatives business was such as to render the firm prone to what we call run risk, that basically people might suddenly call their various loans that had been made to AIG in various forms so that AIG might suffer a significant liquidity crisis. It has since then spun off a lot of that derivatives business, and in that sense, it's less prone to run risk than it used to be, and in that sense, less bank-like. On the other hand, it still is very, very interconnected with other financial firms throughout the economy. It still is also gigantic, and indeed, it's now looking into acquiring other firms and becoming yet larger. So I think this was a kind of a tough call. So I'll say it wouldn't be clearly right to keep it uh, a SIPI, but it wouldn't have been clearly wrong to keep it one either. And in this case as well, I don't think it's clearly wrong uh, to sort of remove the designation as long as it stays the way it has become since the crisis. Bob, Prudential has been supposedly you know, um, laying the groundwork to try to get a similar ruling. Does this ruling mean that Prudential's got a good chance of getting out from under the designation? I think it does mean that. Uh, I think, I mean, there are a number of reasons why it's probably, why we should probably bet that it's not going to remain a city. One is this ruling, uh, which suggests that the council itself is becoming a little bit less strict than it was. And that's no surprise because of all the Trump appointees. And the second is because, in effect, Prudential has a bit of a blueprint now. After looking at what happened at GE Capital, what happened at MetLife, and what happened at AIG, it has a kind of blueprint for what it has to do to look less systemically significant in the eyes of the council. Bob, you explained how AIG is a smaller, leaner company now. It's sold off $100 billion in assets. But the announced goal of its CEO is to now expand through mergers and acquisitions. Is that a dangerous move? It's 
definitely potentially dangerous. I, I certainly didn't mean to suggest that AIG is in any sense small or lean. Um, it's it's definitely smaller, but it, as I mentioned before, it does intend to grow. And of course, many of its shareholders are demanding this. Carl Icahn uh, among them. So it's going to become gigantic again if it's not indeed still gigantic. And therefore, I think that the real focus of the FSOC was probably on the liquidity risk that the institution faced. In other words, how panic-prone was it, right? How bank-run vulnerable uh, was it? Uh, As long as it stays uh, sort of less bank-like in that particular sense, my impression is the FSOC is going to be less concerned, uh, even while it grows. Now, I don't think that's good, necessarily. I think that size matters and interconnectedness matters even more. But it looks as though the FSOC is currently focusing on liquidity risk. And insofar as the IG seems to be less liquidity risky than it once was, the FSOC seems to be viewing it as, uh, in effect, safer or less systemically dangerous. Well, Bob, you know, as with many of the court decisions we see, it, it looks like the who appointed the members has a big impact here. Is this really something yeah. that you think uh, is, you know, kind of based upon, say, liquidity risks, or is it is it just going to be one of these things where it depends which president appointed the members of the council at the time as to how it gets enforced? Well, I sincerely hope that it's not the latter. Um, but that being said, I fear that it is in large part the latter. That's to say, Mr. Trump has announced his intention right from the get-go, even back in January, notwithstanding all of his campaign promises, to go much lighter on Wall Street, uh, even than the Obama administration had done. And we should be clear, the Obama administration was not particularly rough on Wall Street, nor were uh, the Congresses that were in session during Obama's presidency. But nevertheless, Trump said he's going to go even lighter, and it seems pretty clear that he's appointing people who have that intention. Bob, in about 30 seconds, about how much Mm -hmm. money does AIG save by not being a SIFI? Oh, that's hard to calculate. Um, it's it's not just a matter of how much it saves in the form of costs to sort of put together living wills and the like. It's also a matter of how much capital it no longer has to sort of maintain as a buffer, and thus which it's able to invest in a, a sort of more speculative and potentially profitable, but also potentially dangerous uh, manner. I don't know that I can actually quantify that right here, June. You've done so it's much. Large. You've explained <laughs> it's so huge. much to us. One of our favorite guests, that's Bob Hockett, he is a professor at Cornell University Law School. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.